Hi, my name is Elizabeth Agabi. I'm the founder of Full Working Ladies, a platform for entrepreneurial and career-driven women. I'm on a mission to speak to like-minded businesswomen to get the inside story on their secret to success. And you're listening to our podcast, How I Made It Happen. On the show today, I have Sarah Akwisombe, who is an interior stylist, design blogger, and the founder of the Noble Business School, an online business school for women. Sarah has tapped into the online education market, which is set to grow from $107 billion and triple by 2024. Based on the success of her online business school, which turned over £160,000 last year, Sarah was recognised by Forbes and most recently Stylist Magazine as one of the few women running successful online education platforms. Sarah has made quite a few career transitions and now spends her time supporting women in building their own businesses, attracting more money and finding fulfilment in their life. In this episode, we discuss career change and why it's normal and a change of direction doesn't mean failure. We also discuss how she balances a fast-growing business while still being present with family and friends. And lastly, money and why it actually starts with having a good mindset. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Here is Sarah Akwisombe. I would say my career started in the music industry. I went to college and I studied music production and music technology. So I was working as like an audio engineer and um, making my own tunes. And I would put them on MySpace. And I eventually built up a bit of a following doing that. I was kind of on it at the right time, the same time as like Lily Allen and Kate Nash Mm. and everyone like that. And so I managed to get a publishing deal and a management deal off the back of that. So I did music for a long time. I had my own little indie record label, which I think was kind of my first foray into like working for myself and what it was like to run a business, basically. So I did that for a while. And then I got to the point of just feeling like I'd plateaued a little bit. And I wanted to, uh, I'd been married a long time already by then. And I wanted to buy a flat and have a baby. And with the music lifestyle, that just wasn't going to happen. We were doing gigs in a different European nightclub every weekend. And it was just like not like <laughs> foreseeable to have any kind of future with a baby. So I stopped doing that for a while. And in that sort of creative break, I partnered up with a friend of mine. We had a makeup artist agency. And I kind of, again, was testing out things that I was learning, but in a completely different industry. So I learned quite a lot from that about branding, what not to do. I think we made quite a lot of Mm. mistakes. We tried to do a lot of things instead of just focusing on one. Um, From there, I then had my daughter. And after having her, I was kind of like, I need to get a proper job because, you know, we had a mortgage by then, we had a little baby. And I was just like, me not having a proper salary is like not gonna work. Yeah. So I saw a job in the paper that was just advertised as entrepreneur and I was like yeah I'm an entrepreneur like I've had a music career such a random advert right it was so good right um and anyway I ended up getting the job and it was like the most money I'd ever been paid and it was just amazing it was like going to uni or doing an MBA um and getting a salary at the same time because I basically got given a bunch of funding from the company that I worked at and they wanted me to start a crowdfunding platform 
from scratch um, that had like a social kind of give back. Mm. So people were crowdfunding for small businesses to basically hire an employee into their small business. So it was really cool. I learned so much about small business. I learned so much about tech startups. Yeah. My boss there was amazing and he taught me everything. Like he handed me the lean startup and was like, go. That's a really popular book, actually. It's really good. And it's like the Bible. Um, That went really well, but then we lost funding. So I went into another job that was kind of like business techie related. And that wasn't going as well. Like the kind of company culture was a bit horrible. And I don't think I really had my place there. And whilst working there, I'd started this interior design blog because I'd always loved interior design. I've always been creative, like from the music days. And so I'd started this blog and I was just picking up all this traction whilst I was in this full-time role. And I started thinking, oh, maybe I could be an interior designer. So um, when I got fired from that job, which is a whole other story in itself, um, I sort of thought, well, now's the time. I'm just going to give this interior design thing a go. Yeah. I, I had known from music that I could build a community and like launch myself into an industry that I knew nothing about. So I did that. That went really well. The blog was getting brand collaborations. I was doing interior design work, all off the back of having a blog and an Instagram. And what year was that? This must have been about 2015, I'd say. 15, 16. And um, I started having people say, how have you done this? Like, you've just got fired from your job and you only started your blog like six months ago and you're already doing it full time. You're already making a living from it. And so I just sort of thought, mm, why don't I take everything I learned in like startup tech world and what I learned about having a blog and making a business out of it and teach people how to do it. So that was the first course that we did on the how Noble to start Business a blog. School. Yeah, was blogging. Amazing. And um, you seem very entrepreneurial, like from the get go. Do you have people in your family who are entrepreneurs? No. <laughs> Oh, so how did you? I know, isn't that weird? Like, very no, weird. Not even one person. Like, one of my granddads worked in the Bank of England counting mm. gold bullion. The other granddad was a judge. Yeah. My grandma and my mother are both counsellors. My dad is in marketing, was in marketing. Um, so no, all very like straight jobs. Yeah. So I don't know where it came from. Yeah, and you've had like completely different careers and you've like seamlessly done the transitions. And I've had quite a few people come to me and ask me about like changing career paths and um, also maybe just changing the direction of their business. So if you were to kind of like share a tip on how to actually go about changing direction or how did you figure it out? How did you know it was time? I mean, apart from getting fired. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of um, made it be time. Yeah. Even when you got fired, how did you know it was time for you to focus on your blog full time and not go back and get a job? I think that was just uh, I'd already got to the point of like this full time employee life isn't for me. Yeah, I think it was okay when I was doing the startup job with the crowdfunding because I I was basically doing a startup within a business. Mm. So that worked for me. I had autonomy. But when I was suddenly in a machine and there was, you know, it, it just didn't work for me. So I think I'd already started considering, like, I need to go back and be freelance and do something creative or be my own boss. And so that was just kind of, like, the perfect time, really. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of, like, switching between, like, industries and stuff, it's a really tough one because 
if I was looking at it from the outside, I'd be like, that person doesn't know what they're doing. Like, they can't yeah. decide. They, they're one of those jack of all trades. Mm. But I just love learning. Like, I love learning about new things. I'm really creative. And so I think I've just pulled through, like, every time I've learned a new skill, I've brought it into the next place, into the next place. And I think overall, what has stayed the same are kind of like my values and how I work yeah. and my personality and I guess like my personal brand. So yeah. people always know what they're going to get. Like I've still got people that follow me and do my courses now that used to buy my music when I was like 19. So that's a lot of loyalty. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, I think it's because they've one grown up with me. Yeah. And secondly, there's more to it than whatever I'm just doing. It's a lot more than that. Mm, so there's like a lot of meaning behind what you do yeah and I guess sort of I've always been quite anti the system like anti-corporate I've always been really outspoken like and I'll always say the things that people are too afraid to say or won't say because they're like oh that might get me in trouble or like that's not going to get me a job I'll always just be the one who's like meh And, says it. and you're really like transparent as well with your community on social because obviously I follow you as well and you just like share your journey or just kind of like talk on political and social matters as well like you're very straightforward and I think that's what people appreciate as well yeah I've got a lot to say you know I've got a lot of opinions <laughs> I'm the oldest child in my family so like you know we have a lot of things that we want people to hear yeah so let's talk about noble school um like I said I've been kind of following your journey I think for like the past two years and it's grown quite quickly um and when it comes to the future of education I personally feel that um it's literally going to be e-learning like everything is most probably going to be online soon well not everything but the majority of it so you have universities now doing long distance learning so you can study online and then you've got things like Udemy as well so in terms of Noble School, how did the name come about? Why did you decide to call it Noble School? And how has it evolved since you started? I think the name is basically an extension of my character. Like I mm. knew that the business was going to grow bigger than me at some point, but I knew that I would always be like the spearhead of it. And I think it comes back to what I just said about being true to my values. And it was always just... I'm never going to give you the BS. Like, I'll be the person who's like, "Mm, that dress doesn't look good on you, actually. And it's a strength and a weakness at times. Um, But I think within business, and especially in the female community, I think we're a lot sometimes, like, we don't want to hurt each other's feelings. Mm. We'll kind of, like, pad around it a little bit. But actually, you know, sometimes it's good to just... Be direct. Be direct. Tell it how it is. I think things move on quicker, and it's not personal. It's just, like this is not personal, let's get the best outcome, that's not going to work. And I think that's always been my vibe. And so it just seemed like the perfect name for the business. And I've debated about changing it so many times because I'm kind of like, you know, is a big bank or a big like consumer brand going to want to partner with us with that name? But then I'm just like, whatever, it's staying. (laughs) Yeah. And so I did some research around like the whole e-learning platform and stuff. And I think like back in 2012, they predicted that in 2015, it's going to be a $107 billion market. And it was. And by 2025, it's going to triple to 325. So it's growing. 
And so in terms of it involving, I know you mentioned one time on social about seeking investment and stuff. Like what direction do you see it going in and what do you plan to do? I see it growing for sure. I mean, we've already seen that. It doesn't even need to be like spoken about. It's yeah. like you know it's going to happen. It's so much easier and convenient for people. Mm. I think what I see, I'm not, I don't know what the future of it's going to be, but what I've seen is a lot more um, like individuals teaching what they know. Yeah. And I think that kind of peer learning, but almost just a step above you, is the new thing. Like instead of learning from this authoritative figure, it's actually I want to learn from someone who looks and sounds like me. And so we're seeing a lot more like individuals come up and have their own course on their, their own niche subject. Um, and I think that's what I've seen has really like grown in the last few years. Like when I started doing online courses in, I'd say end of 2015, in England or in the UK, should I say, I can hand on heart be like I was probably one of the first women in the UK doing it. Like there mm. were hardly any online courses. It was all American. Yeah. You couldn't really. They're always like one step ahead. Exactly. <laughs> Especially with that kind of stuff. It was all American. That's where I learned everything from. And then when I would come and try it out on the English audience, I was like, oh, this isn't kind of like responding in the same way. Like they're, mm. they're much more into this thing, this thing. And so I and really I think had British to... people a bit more sceptical. Much more. When people were selling things. So we're a bit like, oh, should I spend my money on her? I don't know who she is. But yeah. I think it's definitely changing. And I loved what you said about the peer-to-peer. Mm. Um, and it's the same with the communities that are being run now. People prefer to learn from other people that are their peers, people that have gone through it. And even with, like, money, we're learning from our peers and not from, like, NatWest or Barclays or Lloyds or all the, like, financial institutions. Exactly. The thing is, big banks like that don't know or any big corporations, they don't actually really know how to speak to millennial women. Like, yeah. that's the problem. They don't have that intel and they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you do need those people in between that can kind of, like, make the messaging suit the audience. Like, mm. that's, I guess, something that I really learned, like, from all the influencer work that I do is about, like, well, that might be the campaign you're running, but I know what's going to work for my audience, so I'm going to do it like this. Yeah, and you've built like a really supportive, tight-knit community. And I've told you before that I feel that your selling of your courses is flawless, especially like when you're on Instagram stories. And I've seen other people try to sell their courses and it's just, I don't know how to put it, but it's just not appealing or attractive. Mm. And um, I wanted to know, like, how did you learn your sales skills? Like, how did you learn how to sell? Because I feel that's what sets you apart from the others. It comes to you really natural. And I've seen some of your courses and I'm on your current course, actually. Yes, so, yeah. I hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, good. Um, that's a really good question, actually. And it's something that I've never pondered before. Um, yeah, so like even people who do like sales pitches and need to bring clients, like what would you tell them in terms of your selling? Because I feel like it's quite natural. Yeah, I think it's like, don't try and be someone you're not. Like, I could probably never go and pitch to... Well, I would, but I'd do it in my own way. Like, I wouldn't be able to go and pitch to a corporate load of men in suits, say. I would do it in my own way, but I don't know if it would be the right, like, way of talking to them in order to convert them into a sale. They mm. might have interest in it, like, oh, this is so interesting. But, yeah. like, would they buy? Um 
So I think it's like, don't try and be anything that you're not, which has always just been like my vibe the whole way through. And I think that's why people say I'm authentic and like real and all that. And then I think you really, really, really need to know your audience. Mm. Like I know my audience inside out. If someone goes, well, they like this or they like that, I can be like, nope, yes, nope, yes. Like I just know them inside out. I know exactly what goes through their head, like what their issues are, what their daily life is like. So everything that I talk about when I'm, selling and I sort of do that in uh air quotes because it's not selling I'm just like you're this is going to be good for you and I know that it's going to be good for you probably because I was just like you about a year ago and I wish I'd had something like this or because I'm sharing with you what I've learned um so I think there's an angle of that and then just knowing how to speak to them and not being too pushy like I don't I do sell quite often because obviously if we have a launch on I need to almost talk about it every day but I try not to make it like the only thing that I'm talking about yeah and um, in terms of your courses you're currently running the money manifestation course yes and it's done really well so could you talk about your experience regarding money and how the course came about yeah so The course came about because I basically got to around 30 and I was like, wow, this isn't where I thought I'd be when I was 30. Like I'd done all the life moves, but I was like, I didn't think I'd still be like scrapping together money to like pay bills or, you know, not be able to go on holiday and things like that. And I just, I just was like, I'm just over this. Like I'm really over it. I'm over like, I wouldn't say I was like broke, but like I'm just over it being a struggle. I want mm. things to be easy. I want things to be fun. I know I'm destined to have like a much better life than this. It's too complicated and it's too hard. And I think, again, I'd done enough like reading and self-development that I knew that what was blocking me from earning more money and having a more positive experience with money was my own mindset. And so I sort of went out there and I said, are there any coaches that sort of do like business coaching but like for your money mindset and there were actually turned out to be loads of people I didn't realize Did you just google that or I was in a Facebook group so okay. I put it in there and I waited for people to reply and one lady instead of just doing the like boring old pitch on the thread she like messaged me directly and she just had a way of talking to me that was like yes I get you and she was like why don't we just have a chat on Skype and like see what you think yeah and um we just clicked like straight away Um, I took her on as like my money and manifestation coach about four years ago. I would say I probably was earning at the time like 15 to 20 grand a year, like not really enough basically. And last year the business turned over like 160 grand. So that's just in like three or four years time. Like I would have never thought that was possible ever. And what do you think it is that made you move from the 20K to the 160K? Oh my God, where do I begin? (laughs) It's a series of small steps. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing was like really identifying like what my limiting beliefs and like blocks were around money. And for me, a big one was like, you have to work your ass off and like grind, 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 grind. And that's the only way you're going to make money. And when I worked with Jen, who's my coach, she was just like, well, you know, let's find examples of people that don't do that it was just a constant kind of like breaking down all these really rubbish beliefs that I had with like actual evidence and different things and then being like oh yeah that's not actually the case I can think of five times that I earn money really easily Mm. so it just was like that's the first step and then it was 
you know, a bunch of other things after that if you do the money and manifesting course, you'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't plug. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about um, work-life balance. You currently work from home with your business and you've just had a newborn. Yeah. And you've also got a daughter as well. And I know that you also work with your husband as well, which we'll talk about later. So how do you manage work-life balance? I don't completely believe in the concept of work-life balance but how do you make it work how do you set out time for your family and for your friends and your business is literally growing and it's never switching off is it because it's an online no platform doesn't switch off it's chaos um honestly like right now there isn't much like there isn't much work-life balance I mean I think there has to be because I have two children and so you cannot not give them your time if they need to be picked up from school if they need dinner if they're asking mum 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 look at this look at this there's only so many times I'm going to be like hold on I'm working then I have to be like no 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 like let's go and give Marley half an hour of me watching her play a game <laughs> like yeah. you know so um, they force you to have a bit more balance but it's definitely not balanced and I think what me and my husband both understand is that whilst we're in this like early stage like growth period it is going to be like this. But, Mm. you know, we're constantly learning about how, when I need to switch off, the things that trigger me and make me really stressed out and making sure that I don't deal with them, he deals with them. And just, you know, we know that it's not always going to be like that and it's maybe going to be like this for a couple more years and then we'll probably even it out. And also just to book lots of holidays. (laughs) Yeah. And do you have people working for you, helping out? We have, um, so we have kind of a few freelancers that sort of do different things. We've got someone that works on like the ad side of it, someone that does, helps us with social media planning. Um, Then we had someone on content, but we're kind of shaking up the team a little bit and making it more of a permanent team now because that's what I've kind of realized that we need as we grow. Like I need a right hand person basically who's going to, like know the ins and outs of the business like I do so we're kind of instead of having lots of freelancers now we're bringing it into like maybe having one key person and then like hopefully expanding it out yeah and have you hired a permanent person I'm interviewing at the moment okay so and hopefully how are you finding that uh, really hard and really long-winded like mm. I want it to just be done I just want to find the person hire them on the spot be like right you start tomorrow that's how I am but I got this really good piece of advice once which was hire slowly and fire fast fast. yeah and it's like the best piece of advice I ever got because I've made mistakes with hires before yeah and so um you mentioned before that you work with your husband Mm. and I can't imagine doing that because (laughs) (laughs) because um well to be honest my husband does help out with for working ladies a lot especially on the design side of things and um, but we've got two different personalities and I guess everyone can say that they have a different personality from someone else but how are you making it work Mm. with your husband and also living life together working together yeah babies everywhere yeah um so we have very different skill sets and we have very different personalities which I think works actually like we're very yin and yang so I'm very like let's do it let's put all the money on number 26 like I'm the person at the blackjack table like throwing all the money away and he's a lot more uh, like strategic and like calculated and logical Um, whereas I'm very creative and I've got loads of ideas so where we get to in that real tension at the beginning is actually the best place that we end up 
And then in terms of like, you know, so we do argue, like we definitely like bicker over things all the time. Um, and then with the kids and stuff, we just share it. He does so much, like he's amazing. Like he's very, he knows that I'm the face of the business. So I have to be out there doing meetings, doing things like this. Yeah. He can't talk for me. So he does a lot with the, the girls and like, I cannot thank him enough for that. Um, okay, so we're gonna go into the segment where we ask someone from the community to ask a question around business. And today we have Bianca Barrett, who's a freelance journalist and a content strategist for female-led brands. And her question is around delegation. What's your advice on delegating? How is it best to delegate the stuff that you can to someone else and really focus on the parts of your business that are really important? Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna preface this by saying, I'm still working this out, really, really still working this out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still one of the hardest things. Not the delegating part, I'm very good at like being like, you do this, but just the having so many things on your plate and organizing yourself and stuff like that. What I have noticed that I've got way better at doing is stopping myself before I get into a task. So the, um, the other day I found myself starting to like edit I don't know, a video for Instagram TV or something like that. And I just sort of, I started doing it. And you know what it's like when it's a job that you're not uber skilled in. It takes you so much longer, doesn't it? And because it's your own thing, you're more like pernickety over every little bit. And I just, I sort of stopped myself and I was like, I, I off the top of my head know five women that could do this better than me, faster than me. I would love to give them some work. You know, let's keep the money flowing around. Um, just send a couple of texts and be like, can you just do this Instagram TV edit for me? Because like, I just don't need to do it. They're going to do a better job of it. And I think, you know, it's very hard at the beginning when you don't have the cash flow because mm-hmm. you cannot delegate stuff. If you don't have the cash flow to pay someone to do it, and we all know that when people do stuff for free, it's just it doesn't a turn out the best nightmare. And you don't want to put pressure on them because you know they're doing it for free and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So it's, tricky um so it's really hard if you don't have that cash flow but I I think what I have to sometimes come back to is like you know if you were to equate my time if I'm the CEO of the business like and my time is worth I don't know 500 pounds an hour why am I going to sit doing this task and I can pay someone I don't know 50 quid an hour and they're going to do a better job of it anyway I need to save my time and put it into the things that are like the vision for the business the strategy for the business going and making like really important partnerships with brands and stuff like that so it's very tricky but I think sometimes you just have to suck it up and be like this is more important that I pay that person to do it because it's going to free up my time yeah and just to add to that I'd say that um depending on what type of task it is Mm. write out a process oh my god don't this is what we're trying to do now (laughs) it's really long-winded but it's so important so I had someone sending our newsletter weekly and also editing some of the articles on the website and I literally had to write out a process of every step she needs to take Mm. and what she needs to do when she presses send and so on and so forth and then after writing it out I then sent it to her and then we went through it together I think that's really important because what will happen is the person will try to get into it and then they'll keep bugging you sending you messages calling you so even though it's really long-winded 
write out your processes and then go through it. So important. It really is. I'm trying to do this with my husband at the moment. He's just like, why are you doing that? I'm yeah. like, can you just, everything you do, can you write a list of all the steps? And he's like, I know what to do then. I'm like, but in the future, when we have like 10 members of staff, we'll need to know how to do this. Exactly. And you can think you're too early to do it. Oh, well, it's just me and one other person or something, but it's always useful. Yeah, definitely. So if someone wanted to create a course, an online course, what are your top three tips in creating it and getting it out there? I would say to really work out like who it's for and what problem it's solving, firstly. Um, actually, they're probably two different things. So who, you know, who are you trying to aim it at? The second one is like, what problem are you trying to solve? And then I would just say, like, try not to... I know there's lots of things out there on, like, how to launch a course and, like, you know, this is how you make a course and all that. But if I found anything is that you just have to work it out with your audience. Like, my audience, you know, sometimes they want a live course. Sometimes they want it in person. Sometimes they want something snackable that they can watch whenever they want it kind of depends on the subject it kind of like there's so many things and I think there's just no one size fits all like this is how to do it this is how to launch this is how to sell it you need to like feel it out it's like start with your minimum viable product which is a lesson I learned from the lean startup and you know do that test it see how you can improve it see what the feedback is like it's a constant like learning loop yeah and if you've got like a really small audience or no audience at all how do you then push it out and how do you grow that audience I think you can make courses and sell them even if you don't have a massive audience I've seen other people do it you just might not sell uh you know 100 spaces you might sell 10 spaces or five spaces but you know if you're charging a couple of hundred quid or something that's still a thousand pounds for you that's a good start for your business you know Mm. Um, or like a side hustle if you're working somewhere and you're like I just want something on the side or I've learned this really interesting skill at my job and I could share this Um, so yeah I think that's like you know you don't have to have a massive audience I think you can do it social media is obviously a great place to do it so just wrapping up with the last question what would you define success as? I would define success as complete freedom of my time And I don't just mean like, oh, so I can just stroll along the beach like all the time and never work. I actually love working. So I think success to me is just you being able to choose when you work, how long you work, what you're doing. Then if you want to spend time with your family, what you do It's just not having someone like breathing down your neck and being like, you need to be here at this time. Do that. I think for me, that's been like the most amazing part about starting my own business. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited to see where Noble School goes next and wishing you the best. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for this episode of How I Made It Happen. For more inspiring stories, visit our website, forworkingladies.com. Sign up to our newsletter and keep an eye out for our next event. Before you go... If you've enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe and also leave a review as it helps in finding our podcast more easily. Thanks for listening.